1: Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to The Power of Young People to Change the World. I'm your host, Amy Muirs, and I'm here every Thursday on Voice America Empowerment Radio, where we explore how young people are using their ideas, creativity, and passion to shape a better world, and how educators are utilizing the power of service learning to redesign education. Today's show, we're going to meet middle school science teacher behind the LeBranche Wetland Watchers, Barry Gilliatt, and two of his students, Holly and Layla. So the LeBrant Wetland Watchers is a service learning project that was started many years ago as a way to utilize the beautiful Louisiana wetlands as an outdoor classroom. So Barry wanted a place where his students could be fully immersed in science while learning about the wetland and how the all the challenges that the wetlands face. So they adopted 28 acres of land, which was donated by the um, Pontchartrain Levy Board in 2014. 24- 2004. Um, and then in April of 2006, the area was dedicated as Wetland Watchers Park by St. Charles Parish government. The Wetlands Watchers Park today includes miles of boardwalk, nature trails, outdoor classrooms, marsh overlooks, and at least five learning pad areas uh, where students can have their outdoor classrooms, and of course, a few benches along the way. Um, the Wetland Watchers has impacted the lives of thousands, thousands of students who've come through this service learning program. I'm so excited to welcome Teacher Extraordinaire Barry Gilliatt from Harry Hurst Middle School and students Holly Avocado and Layla Gurley. Layla and Holly have both been with Wetland Watchers for the last two years. And Holly was in fourth grade when she was first introduced to the program during its annual celebration, which I'm hoping she's going to share more about a little later. I do want to start with my good friend, Barry. I'm not exactly sure how many years uh, Barry and I have known each other, but I'm pretty sure it's well over a decade now. Um, he, I know for a fact, though, he was the first person to introduce this Minnesotan to an actual alligator. Um, and if I remember correctly, it was at an event hosted by um, the Joe and Dorothy Dorset Brown Foundation, um, which um, if you don't know that foundation, they do amazing work with service learning in the state of Louisiana, and they branched off into Mississippi too, I believe. But um, it w- we were down there after NYLC had done a summer walkabout service learning program um, to help with the recovery efforts after Hurricane Katrina. And so there was this big celebration and I distinctly remember all of the wetland creatures and um, meeting Barry for the first time um, along with um, one of the alligators. So like I say, my Minnesota first uh, alligator encounter was with Mr. Gilead. So Barry, um, I would love um, for you to share with our listeners, just a little bit more about yourself and your background.
2: Thank you for having us, Amy. It's so nice to hear your voice. Um, yeah, I do remember that. So just think that alligator is probably about eight or nine feet long by now. It's oh goodness,
1: <laughs> he was little then. <laughs> yeah.
2: He was about a foot then. So, um, so I've been in the classroom for 29 years. I'm a nationally certified adolescent science teacher. Um, so I've been in eighth grade science for the last 11 years of those. Um, at one point I'd stopped teaching. I went to work for the Aquarium of the Americas and I wrote their education programs. And, um, and I helped train volunteers there, wrote scripts about everything and came up with activities for the kids to do. And I came back to teach in St. Charles Parish and I've been at that school for 27 years. And um, just really, I, I just love teaching.
1: That's amazing, 27 years um, in the same school. That's something to be extremely proud of. So Barry, can you share just a little bit? So you have a fun nickname, Gator Man. Where did that come from?
2: Well, when I was 11 years old, we we always liked to go out in the bayou. And my cousin and I were out and we saw some baby alligators in the nest. So we went to go take pictures of them. And while we were doing that, the very mad mama alligator Chased us uh, back to the boat. We dove into the boat. She ran into the water after us, and I was just mesmerized. I, I looked at it. It was like being chased by a living dinosaur, and I wanted to learn everything I could about alligators. And so, you know, I tell the kids I didn't have Google. I actually hit. I went to the library and used the the library card to look it up. And they had an old, old book all dusty in there. So I called the zoo and just you know I, I talked to trainers. I just wanted to learn everything I could about alligators. So. Uh, Over the years, I was able to get a permit to use alligators for education. So I work with wildlife and fisheries. And and so then, about 12 years ago, besides wetland watchers, we also started swamp school. And swamp school during the summer, uh, another teacher, friend of mine, Craig, and I started swamp school. And so now, during the summer, for four weeks out of the summer, we'll teach the kids all the skills they need to survive and be able to have fun and enjoy all these beautiful wetlands that we're surrounded by. And so, of course, uh, the kids start calling me Gator Man uh, regularly then, about 12, 13 years ago.
0: <laughs> That's
1: wonderful. <laughs> um, I have to say, though, some of us um, may not have been able to face that fear of a dinosaur chasing us. Um, <laughs> we might have uh, maybe panicked and not, like, became the Gator Man, I have to say. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that story. So Holly, welcome to the show. Um, do you want to share just a little bit about you?
3: Thank you for having me. Um, so my name is Holly Avocado. I'm in eighth grade at Harry Hurst Middle School, and I am on the cheer team. And I'm actually the cheer captain this year. And I have been involved with Wetland Watchers since fourth grade. I have also enjoyed a lot of events that I have participated in and in the past few years. I've done a lot of wetland events with Mr. Gilead, like showing the kids and the school events, the animals. I've also went on the fourth grade trip when I was in fourth grade to the Wetland Watchers Park, and we got to do a lot of fun activities outside, and I got to learn a lot more about what we were learning in the classroom at that time.
1: Wonderful. Thanks, Holly. Do you have a favorite cheer you want to share with everybody? Oh, (laughs) (laughs) You can say no. It's all good. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Layla, welcome to the show. I won't put you on the spot, I promise. So, do you want to introduce yourself to our listeners?
4: Um, yes, ma'am. Do I just say a little bit about myself?
1: Yes, please.
4: Okay. So, I'm also an eighth grader at uh, Harry Harryhurst, and I'm also on the cheer team. This is my second year. And I'm an officer and I also do track as well as uh, wetland watchers. And I just found that it's been like very educating and like especially this year with COVID. It's like been really hard, but we've been doing videos a lot, which we're going to talk about later on, which kind of like helps with that and like educates other people as well. So it's just very um, like getting outside and like in the environment and just engaging in everything
1: that's awesome. It's uh, it sounds like you're having a good experience where some of your fellow students might not have that same opportunity. So maybe we can talk about that in a little bit as well. Um Barry, I would love for you to share um kind of what 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 one watchers is and how it came about. Can you share a little bit about the history?
2: Yes, ma'am. I'll try and keep it short. <laughs> but um You know, basically 24 years ago this month, we took our first trip on what became the Wetland Watchers. 24 years ago this month, um, uh, University of New Orleans and the Lake Pontchartrain Basin Foundation offered an opportunity for my students to go out on a trip to a local wetlands area. um, The only problem was I taught 150 students and they only could take 30 on the trip. And so I figured I would take those 30 students out there. They would learn the stuff then we take them back to school and we set up stations and they would run stations for the rest of the kids to experience. But once we got out there and I was looking around, I mean, gosh, I just saw so many different standards that could be addressed while we're actually out there. You know, it's only 11 miles from our school. And so I was like, I have to figure out a way to get all the kids out there. Just the little stations at school would be good, but not as, as meaningful as being out here. And so um, I talked, you know, I, I called him. I said, look, what if I brought all 150 kids on the next trip and did that? And everybody said, no, that's too many. That's too many. I said, look, forget I asked. And I promise you, it'll be quality, not quantity. It'll be just quality. We're, we're going to make sure. It's not just to say we brought everybody out there. We're going to have some stations set up. So basically, I went back to the kids and I said, look, when we were out there, we did biological and chemical water quality testing what else can we do out there? What would y'all like to try and do? So the kids kind of came up with ideas, and then we tried to look and see how to come up with six stations that I could divide the kids up in 25 a station, and we could rotate through while we were out there. And we were able to give that a try before the end of the school year, and it went very very well. Um, so well, in fact, everybody else wanted, to, everybody wanted to be a part of it, and uh, it expanded from there. So, you know, I never expected wetland watchers to still be here 24 years from now. When I first planned that first trip, I didn't expect to include a lot of other schools in there. I was really just looking for a way to get my kids some hands-on activities out in the wetlands that met the standards that we were doing in class. So, uh, but I tell you, it was probably one of the greatest trips we ever took was that very first trip and saw what was possible through service learning.
1: Well, it's really inspiring. Um, I'm. Just we have a couple of minutes before we take a break, Barry. So I, I would love to hear um, you just touched on something that's so important, I think, within the service learning process, but also just to NYC as an organization, and that's youth voice. And so I'm curious, like how did you know, how did the students respond when you said, what can we do? Like did they jump right in or what was the student response to helping set up that first, um, that first experience?
2: Well, we started brainstorming stuff in class. We started brainstorming and one of them was planting trees and they're saying, Oh, well we could, you know, we could, they love to, to go scooping and we could try and scoop some other and figure out what kind of plants were in there. Not just the animals. Um, you know, so they were coming up with different ideas like that. And so, um, This might go into one of your other questions, but uh, real quick, when I looked to see how much trees cost, I was like, my gosh, these trees cost about 30 bucks a piece. How in the world am I going to afford to be able to have enough trees for 150 kids to plant trees and each feel like they actually, you know, had a part in it, you know, to be able to feel some ownership on it. So I started calling around and eventually I got directed to the USDA NRCS and I talked to the guy and I told him my story. And he says, oh, I'd love to give you 150 trees. And I was like shocked. I said, wait a minute, what? He said, I'll give you 150 trees. I'm thinking this is like $3,500. You know." <laughs> and so I came back the next day and told the kids, I said, look, guys, y'all really, really think what can we do out there? What do you want to do? Just let your imagination roam because they have a lot of people out there that want to help us, but they just don't know that they want to help us yet. They don't know how they can help us. See, I'll come up with the ideas, and then we're going to look and see how can we figure out how to get this, how we can make it happen. So, uh, you know, it really started with the kids' ideas, too. You know, just really what did they want to do, and then I'd look and see how did it match up to the standards, how could this relate to it, and, um, and just really made it all go through very, you know, very authentically, just really, you know, just we were just lucky, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> well,
1: but, that's, uh, that is that is actually perfect. Point? That is actually perfect, Barry, Um, because when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about partnerships, and I know that's one of the hard um, spaces um, for service learning sometimes, some of the challenging um, places that teachers end up in. So we're going to take a brief pause, and when we return, we'll continue our conversation with our guests, teacher Barry Gilliatt and students Holly Avocado and Layla Gurley. So stay with us on The Power of Young People to Change the World.
0: Lc.org to learn more today.
5: Unravel the mysteries of metaphysics every week on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Join host Barb Crowley as she and her insightful guest share what's been learned behind the veil, going just beyond our five senses. Now you can see things with an entirely different point of view. Tune in for Metaphysics, A View Through the Veil, broadcasting live every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Use it to explore your advantage and deeper understanding. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
0: listening to the power of young people to change the world with amy Muirs to find out more about amy and the national youth leadership council please visit nylc.org now back to the show Welcome back, everyone.
1: Um, if you're just joining us, we're speaking with Harry Hurst Middle School science teacher, Barry Gilliatt and two of his eighth grade students, Holly Avocado and Layla Gurley. Again, guys, thank you for joining me here today. So Layla, um, right before break, um, uh, Mr. Barry was sharing um, how young people had a voice in the creation of the activities that happens out at Wetland Watchers. What are some of the activities that you do um, out at Wetland Watchers Park? Um,
4: Well, usually we would do things like fundraisers, activities at other schools, field trips, like we said, like what Holly took in fourth grade, and like something simple like planting trees. But, you know, now since COVID happened, um, now what we actually were doing, I think it was last week, uh, we did a video on how like Wetland Watchers has helped educate kids and get them out of like their houses and off their phones like they are this generation and like get them more outdoors and like educated on wetlands.
1: So a little bit of uh, educating um, other students about why they should get outside. Yeah, yes ma'am. Wonderful. So Holly, speaking of outside, what's it like to experience your classroom outside um, while you're serving your community? What, is that, what does that look like and feel like for you?
3: It's really fun because I get to learn things that I'm learning in class and I get to go out and like teach these young children about Wetland Watchers at these Wetland Watchers events. And the things that we're learning in class, I get to put towards and teach the kids outside of the classrooms. And also we are just learning about the, how some animals are albino or leucistic in different colors. And so we get to go out at these Wetland Watchers events and show these kind of snakes or alligators that are these different kind of colors and teach these kids. And then we also get to go out and, like, teach the kids about different things and, like, how to help their communities and, like, save them from being, like, eroded or things like that to, like, prevent the habitats from being destroyed. And it's, like, just really fun to, like, get to, like, these kids outdoors and to, like, help them learn more about what they're learning in class. For example, whenever I was in fourth grade, I went on the fourth grade with a watcher's field trip to the park and it really helped me understand more about what we were learning at the time. So it was just a really exciting experience to get to learn when I'm learning in the class outdoors and things like that.
1: So I have to ask um, because I have an irrational fear of snakes, I'll admit it. do you remember your first snake experience um, at wetland watchers park
3: it was actually the big one like mr gilgat's like i don't remember exactly how big it was but it's like the biggest one like almost i think eight feet i think oh my goodness it's, the big one. it's like really big and he wanted to put it on me and i was so scared and then i just did it and like it was really cool it was a fun experience too
1: so how did the how did the fourth graders now react when, when you're the one, you know, how did they react to the snakes? I need to know.
3: <laughs> they're like freaking out because of how big he is. And like just these snakes, like people have a bad fear in their head that these are mean, violent snakes and that they'll just hurt you. But in reality, like they're really nice. Like you just have to get to know them like people
1: that's awesome! Thanks for sharing that story, Holly. So, Layla, why why do you think Wetland Watchers is so impactful on the students?
4: Um, well, like Holly was saying with her fourth grade field trip, it's giving like good experiences for kids. And like I remember this one time, Mr. Gia told me like actually recently, whenever we were in school, um, about how I think it was somebody who's like 34. He had like a kid, and well now they're 34. And they like went on this field trip or something and they like still talk about the experience that they had and like with the snakes and the alligators and just really educated them. And like, especially now, it's like just giving like lifelong experiences to kids that they can just remember.
1: That's awesome. Do you have a story, Layla, that you think will stick with you from Wetland Watchers?
4: Um, Well, I remember this one snake. I think his name was Oreo. And it was like my first (laughs) Wetland Watchers experience like activity and I think we were at, um, like, an elementary school, and I was, like, working for them first. And then I held Oreo, and I was, like, a little bitty snake at the time. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm so freaking out. And, like, this is a little snake. And, like, now I think back on it, it's just, like, I'm holding that big snake that Holly was talking about when I was just freaking, over, like, freaking out about that little Oreo. And now it's just, like, look where I'm
1: at, you know? That's awesome. I will say I did get the opportunity to visit Wetland Watchers Park. I guess it's probably almost two years ago now. Um, uh, But anyways, uh, it was quite the experience just to see the alligators in the wild. So um, like I say, coming from Minnesota, no alligators up here. Um, So being able to just see them swimming, it was remarkable. So to be able to interact with, with the Animals of Wetland Watchers Park, I have have to imagine that that just stays with you. So I'm curious, Barry, um, how has this um, experience impacted you as a teacher? How has it impacted your career?
2: Well, you know, you become a teacher because you wanna make a difference in the kids' lives. And I guess, it's so cool because I grew up loving this stuff. And this really gave me an opportunity to share something I was very passionate about that I loved a lot with the kids and and try and 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 give them that passion. You know, I mean it's um I always tell people, you know, if we live by something else that was a big need, then maybe we would end up we went we wouldn't have been the wetland watchers have been something else. But it turns out where we where we live, where the school is, we're at the, the part of the lake that was losing more wetlands than any other part of the lake. And it was huge because that was causing more flooding where we live. It's taken away the habitats of the animals there. And to be able to take the kids out there and introduce them to something that I loved and was very passionate about. And then be able to to see them get that same love and passion was just so exciting. And and it never gets old to me. You know, I talked about being 24 years old. Every year we have new students and every year those students have new students to work with. So every year is a different experience. Every year, you know, we get to, you know, I'll let those students choose. What do you want to key on? These are some of the different things that are going on. What do we need to do? We need to come up with times for the nature trail. Uh, do we need to come up with some more games to be able to, to translate some of this stuff to the other kids? What do you want to do? And, and we'll divide up and have them do that. You know, of course this year, was kind of a wash with COVID. We're doing what we can do. But um, you know, the other 23, 24 years I'm talking about, it's really been exciting. It's just, you know, it really gets me excited about every every year.
1: It's like that alligator is chasing you every year.
2: <laughs> <laughs> You're
5: right.
1: You're right. <laughs> so, you know, you've you've been doing this a while now, um, and bringing service learning to your classroom. What benefits have you seen in your students? And, um, yeah, what, what are the benefits that you've seen um, these experiences have within your students?
2: You know, there, there are so many benefits, so many. When I talk about teamwork and I talk about, um, you know, being able to get along with others, uh, being professional, public speaking, all these types of things. You know, those are all that are kind of like byproducts, things that were, you know, that, that just happen because they, when they're in that in that leadership position, then they have to lead the activity. They have to, you know, and eventually, some of the kids are a little more shy, or even if they're just talking one on one, eventually, really, you know, kept, you know, really start getting those skills that they need to to really do well in life. Because I tell the kids, look, you can be the smartest kid in the world, but if you can't communicate that intelligence or or that information then it's all for nothing. So being able to communicate what you know is so important. That's just one of the things. The other is um, having the partners come in, because when you have expert partners come in, I, I, know, I know a lot, but I know what I don't know. And so like, you know, for example, we'll have the uh, forestry department come in uh, with agriculture, they'll, they'll come in and they'll show the kids about soil and everything they say in the first two minutes is everything I know about soil. So the kids are, you know, in just two minutes of talking, they've done everything I know. And then they, they just bring the kids to a much um, deeper understanding of it. And so not only does their understanding go better, but their questions are more, you know, and I hate to keep saying deeper when we're so much soiled. I'm not trying to make a joke. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I mean, the the knowledge that the experts bring in is just incredible and so great for, um, for the kids. And then... As, the kids get to see all these different careers and possible things they may be interested in doing. So, I mean, it just keeps going step by step. You just keep saying, well, gosh, there's just so many good things that happens from like one trip. Um, so it's very exciting. It's always exciting to, to have these trips and have the kids get out there and and meet my friends, all these experts, and now my friends after all these years and, and uh, just really, it's just exciting to see the kids get out there and, um, and um, just experience this firsthand.
1: Well, and I what I really appreciate um, about the Wetland Watchers program is how you're connecting the eighth graders with the fourth graders, and it's that shared learning experience. Um, so not only are they connecting in the classroom and outdoors um, in the wetlands, but the community that you must be creating in your school um, has to be really powerful as well.
2: I always said that it's not the... You know, when, when you look at our group that comes out there, you have kids from band, you have the cheerleaders, you got the football players, you have, you know, you have the athletes, we have the, the robot club, I mean, it's people from all the different, you know, people that wouldn't normally be hanging out with each other, it, it cuts through any of the cliques that are there, and all the kids work together to achieve this, they, they may not become best friends, but they all learn how to work together and they do really well, they're very professional. And I really like seeing that. That's something that's really important to me is we don't bring the drama in, that we really look at it and say, this is for the kids that we're presenting to. Let's make it the best experience. I'll say, remember when you were there, we want those kids to have as much fun as you had when you went through. And so that's, it's also what's good, what you're saying about them coming up through Wetland Watchers and being able to see it from both points of view.
1: That's wonderful that school culture is so important Um, we're going to take another quick break and then when we come back we're going to continue our conversation with Barry Holly and Layla so stay with me Amy Muir's on the power of young people to change the world Voice America Empowerment Radio we'll be right back
0: of all young people to make meaningful change happen. NYLC offers a variety of paths to reach service learning excellence through membership, its annual Spring National Service Learning Conference, customized professional development, tools, resources, and soon to be released, Getting Started in Service Learning, a book designed for teachers ready to lead the way to address real-world issues with all young people, inspiring them to serve, learn, change the world. Visit nylc.org to learn more today.
2: Are you looking for life's answers? How about the meaning of true self? Follow us on
5: Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment.
0: You are listening to The Power of Young People to Change the World with Amy Muirs. To find out more about Amy and the National Youth Leadership Council, please visit nylc.org. Now back to the show. So
4: welcome
1: back, everyone. I'm here with Barry, Holly, and Layla. Um, they're from Harry Hurst Middle School in St. Charles Parish, Louisiana. And we're talking about the service learning program Wetland Watchers. Um, so, Barry, um, in our first segment, um, we touched on this just briefly. But, you know, we know funding is always a question um, for administrators, for principals, for teachers who want to bring service learning into their classrooms or into their schools. How has Wetland Watchers really overcome that cost barrier factor?
2: Well, it's much easier now, i got to say that. Now that we're pretty well established, we have a a long record of success that we can go present to people. But I remember the very first time I approached one of the, uh, it was Shell. I approached Shell. um, I had a a scrapbook kind of kept of the year showing pictures of the kids, what they were doing what we were trying to do. And I walked in and I put it on her desk in front of her and I kind of inched around to her both on side of the, desk, on the same side of the desk going through all the pictures. And she looked and she said, she goes, how much were you asking for? And I said, um, $800. And she goes, I got to tell you, Barry, this is exactly the kind of thing that we're looking to support. How would you like $1,200? And, uh, I walked out to my car. I was just so, you know, I, I sat in the car. I called my principal. And I said, they just gave me a check for $1,200. I said, Barry, you just left the school. I said, yeah, but they really liked what they saw in that scrapbook. I said, oh, I couldn't believe it. And, you know, I truly believe that there are everybody will support a teacher that has the best interest of their students any way that they can. And really just being able to have a clear vision of what you're trying to do and good pictures showing what the kids are doing. That, you know, the people that have the money available can donate that money to it, whether it's, you know, whether it's a nonprofit or whether it's a corporation or whatever. And I do a lot of research on grants before I go, I look and see what they've, what they have um, funded in the past to see if it's something that lines up with what we do. You know, we do pick up litter, So somewhere that really is 100% litter, I'll definitely highlight the litter activities that we do above the other things that we do to show them that this is a major part. Um, besides grants, uh, we also do fundraisers now. We sell, I, uh, we sell t-shirts, we sell gator poop candy. <laughs> I love the gator poop candy. It's very popular. Um, you know, so we do a lot of things like that, uh, to, to raise money too, just to get money, for what we need. And, um, and I tell you, if anybody needs help or would like guidance on that, you're definitely welcome to share my information with them. And, and I'm, Very much enjoy helping people try and achieve the money that they need to to get these going for their students.
1: Well, and I think um, what's really interesting and um, important to know sometimes is that it doesn't always take a lot of money. Sometimes it's just that small grant, that $800, that can really push a project over the top and make it so impactful for so many students. So, thank you for offering your support in that. Layla, I I would love um, for you to share, like, who are some of those community members um, that have been part of Wetland Watchers?
4: Um, well, you know how this year has been with COVID. We can't really do a lot, but usually we would um, uh, do corporations with, like, Shell, like Mr. I was talking about, and, like, get, like, donations. and Or, like, we would go to, like, schools like and Norco, and, like, do little activities with them and just raise money a lot of times, too.
1: Do you guys go out and look for those partners or how do they get involved?
4: Um, Well, like I said, a lot of times they will like donate to us. So like Mr. Gale, I was saying how like he went to them to show and like they really liked how he was so into like helping his um, students, getting involved a lot. And they just like thought that that was very um, good for us and our generation to get out and moving. So like they just like kind of donated and helped us out a little bit.
1: Right. Do any of those partners um, play like a specific role other than donating? I mean, uh, Mr. K- uh, Mr. Barry said something about um, expert speakers. I'm curious if any of your partners um, have different roles that they play um, as part of Wetland Watchers.
4: Oh, yeah. So I can't say anybody like specific that I can think of off the top of my head, but like some people may come to like do public speaking about it and like their cooperation with wetland watchers and how it's impacted their even their like um place how it's like you know uh gone so well with them and then like it also helps like show how important wetland watchers is to like everybody in the community as well
1: great thanks layla um, I know I have um, one or two uh, Wetland Watchers t-shirts, and um, the amount of support that you guys have received over the years is pretty um, remarkable, and from support from all different types of organizations, corporations, so um, it is completely possible to uh, to take something small and make it huge for your community and get that community support, so um, thanks for sharing about that. Holly, I would love um, to hear kind of how, how do you think that this experience will impact your future as a student and as a community member?
3: It's gonna imp- impact my future because it's helping me learn different things that will help me in the future and help me understand it better. And it's also helping me like with my public speaking and like also with teamwork because we do a lot of activities that involve a lot of people. And so we work together and to put on these great activities, like the events at different schools, and we get to do a lot more things together. As you know, not of this year, we didn't get to do it together because of COVID, but usually we would all come together as maybe a school or different schools and do these different events for these younger kids, which is helping with teamwork. And also, it's allowing me as a few in my future to impact me because it's allowing me to experience more opportunities like these to help me like with later opportunities that may happen in my life or maybe just impact me to like want to start my own <laughs> I'm like I'm my own like program
1: like this ah uh, so you want to be a uh, Mr. Barry someday maybe
3: probably <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's awesome
3: <laughs> he's just impacted my life so much that it just makes me want to do something like this one day and help the kids later on in life
1: that's wonderful. Inspiring a new generation of teachers. Woo, <laughs> Layla, um, how about you? How do you see this experience impacting your future as a student? Um, how do you see, how, how is Wetland Watchers um, going to be with you into the future? Well,
4: also, like, taking off of what Holly said with teamwork and, like, what Mr. Gilded said earlier, how usually, like, we'd be in little cliques and, like, have our own little groups and not really even know about anybody else. But once, like, we come together as, like, almost a family, like, with Wetland Watchers, it, like, pushes us to, like, bond a lot and teamwork. And it also, in, like, my future, like, builds how Holly said public speaking, like, educates me a lot to where, like, I can maybe educate one day other kids on, like, Wetland Watchers and reptiles and how, like, the wetlands are disappearing and it also like gets kids active and like off their phones and technology and like outdoors
1: that's awesome thank you so Barry um I I want to circle back to a question that I didn't ask you earlier and that's really like how does how does this really how does this experience impact you as a teacher how does it um, we talked about the motivation a little bit, but when you hear what these um, two amazing students have to say, um, how does that motivate or drive you um, as a teacher?
2: It really, you know, when you hear the kids talk about their experiences, um, it just, it validates everything that you're trying to do and all the hard work that you do outside of school and it just makes you want to try even harder to give them more experiences. I know uh, Holly had mentioned um, working with kids from other schools because Harry Hurst is the only school that does wetland watchers. So we actually involve students from the other three middle schools and both of our high schools. So we have different color wetland watcher shirts and those kids from the other schools actually come and they'll meet these other kids and get to be friends with the other kids from the other schools uh, that come and volunteer with them for a lot of these projects. And, um, I just um it feels it feels really great. I don't know this <laughs> it's, not, it's a it's a wonderful, wonderful feeling because it makes it feel like I said, you you become a teacher to make an impact on the kids and to really try and, and do something that's gonna change their life and, and um uh, and make a difference in their life. And and I, I feel like when I do get to, to read some of the quotes that the kids say and watch some of their interviews and all. That, uh, that it is making a huge difference in, in, um, in their lives. And, and I think it's gonna be something that sticks with them for a long time from now. Uh, I think Holly also mentioned, uh, I have kids that were in Wetland Watchers are now 36 years old. And um, you know when you, when you talk to them, they'll tell you about their wetland trips like it was just yesterday. So it's very exciting. And, and it really does mean a lot to me uh, as a teacher and as a person to be able to, to have the opportunity to to work with these kids like that. It's just, I really thank service learning for so much.
1: Well, and, you know, it is... um... It's always fun to talk to service learning teachers um, because it. I mean, service learning is a lot of work, right? Like we heard you talking about writing grants and doing the research and going and visiting these corporations to ask for money, and um, and sometimes it's. I mean, you have um, a great support system um, at Harry Hurst, and but sometimes there's challenges. You know, there's. Red tape to jump through in order to get service learning to happen, to go on field trips, all of the things that it takes administratively, budgetarily to make service learning happen. But what I appreciate when I talk to service learning teachers is that the the motivation and the inspiration that they have um, to keep going um, and to feed this experience to their students because they see the impact. So um, I just want to say thank you for being that inspiring teacher um, and to all of the service learning teachers out there like you who are creating these amazing opportunities for our students. So. Um, just a big shout out to you. So we're going to take one final break. Um, and when we come back, we're going to wrap up our conversation with Barry, Layla and Holly. So stay with us on the power of young people to change the world. And just a quick reminder, um, follow the show on social media at NYLCORG. There's no dot in our social media, NYLCORG, or find us at NYLC.org. We'll be right back with the power of young people to change the world. us on twitter at voice america trn
0: get the lowdown on guests new shows and your favorites that's voice america trn lc.org to learn more today.
2: What's the difference between leaders who achieve exceptional results with ease and those who struggle to keep up? Tune in for Leading on Purpose with Nicole Bendeley. You'll discover the simple practices that are making the biggest difference to a leader's success today. You'll meet leaders who are bringing out the best in their teams. You'll gain practical
5: strategies to lead yourself and others to high performance with ease. Leading on Purpose airs live Mondays at 3 p.m. Eastern time, noon Pacific on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv today.
0: listening to the power of young people to change the world with Amy Muirs to find out more about Amy and the national youth leadership council, please visit nylc.org. Now back to the show.
1: Welcome back everyone to the power of young people to change the world. Again, I'm here with service learning teacher, Barry Gilliatt and two of his eighth grade students, Holly and Layla. And we're talking about the wetland watcher service learning program. So Barry, um, I really would love to hear what words of advice do you have for other teachers who are like, okay, I want to do this. I want to create something like this um, at my school. What would you say to them?
2: Well, you know, before I say anything, I'd say whatever it takes, it's worth it. It's made such a big difference in my life and the difference to so many of the students that whatever it takes, it's worth it. And I always say there's two ways you can look at. First, you can look and see. If there's specific standards that you would like that you can try and find an activity out there, you can either start with the standard and look, or you can just look at your community and see what needs there are where your students can make that difference. Because that's the that's the big thing. It's really just, um, I call it like breaking down the walls, breaking down the fences around your school, because it gets the kids out there into the community. It gives them a chance to participate in real-life problems, to use what they learn in school in real life. and it's not something that um, it's it's something that they're going to remember forever because it's real. It's not, you know, they always ask, why do I need to learn this? Or why do I need to know this? There's no questions like that when you're dealing with service learning because they're out there learning. They're out there using it right there. So, you know, I know I could go on forever, but basically look and see where the students have an opportunity to make a real difference. And that's what's going to make all the difference in the world for the students.
1: Thanks, Barry. So Holly, what would you tell your teacher or your principal who's thinking about creating something like Wetland Watchers? Um, what would you want them to know from a student perspective?
3: I would basically tell them that I would look for a spot. And- Oops, Holly, I'm sorry, we lost you.
1: Okay, we'll come back to Holly. Um, Holly, if you can hear me, if you can hit mute, we'll come back to you. Layla, so we'll go to you just going to, sorry, folks. We'll just mute Holly and hopefully we'll get her audio back. So, Layla, what words of advice do you have for students who have, who want more of that hands-on service learning experience in their classroom? Um, can you talk about um, what you would tell students? Uh, yes, ma'am.
4: So, um, we can, uh, you know, a lot of kids in other, like, schools, like, we have the opportunity to... Um, learn a lot about like the wetlands and actually have wetland watchers when other schools, they don't really have that in their classrooms. So I find that I'm very appreciative of it and like have this, I'm lucky to have this opportunity and I want other kids to have it too. So I'm glad that wetland watches is kind of like doing these videos as well, like we've been doing to where other schools can see it as well. And like, especially with COVID, they can't go a lot anywhere. And like how, I don't know if y'all heard, but Holly said that like you can pick a spot in your community and just like try to make it better in a way and it's honestly just kind of spreading positive, positivity to everyone as well.
1: Layla, can you, um, just so everyone um, has a good picture of the videos, like what's in those videos that you're sharing with other um, classrooms?
4: Well, the latest one that we did, which is actually the first one that we've ever done, it was me and Holly and my friend Molly Lewis. She also uh, was in it. And we were just talking about how Wetland Watchers was started and how we have so many community members that are also, like, donating and helping us. And it also, like, shows how, Mr. Gilly, I was saying earlier, how the wetlands were, like, kind of washing away. And, like, a lot of people are just, like, polluting a lot, too. And it's just showing kids how you must be appreciative of, like, how we're doing this and it's educating them.
1: Wonderful, thanks Layla. Holly, let's check back in with you and see if um, we can hear you now. Can you hear me? Perfect. Okay. (laughs) So our question to you was about, what would you um, say to a principal or teacher who's thinking about about creating something like Wetland Watchers? What do you want them to know?
3: So like I said before, you would look for a spa in your community for where you can make a change or an impact in kids' lives for them to learn and for the better for the community. And it would take a lot of dedication and a lot of people and time to start one of these programs to make it the best it can be, like Wetland Watchers. It's also like you want to look for a spot where it can impact these lives greatly so it would have more of an impact and these kids would be able to go and share things like what they have done with this, their communities and made it better. So I would highly recommend recommend this, something like Wetland Watchers for you to start in your community. And it'll just be so wonderful for more communities to get out like we are in St. Charles Parish with Wetland Watchers to like change their communities and help these wetlands.
1: Wonderful. Thank you, Holly. I'm glad we got your audio back. Um, I'm curious. Okay, so... During one of the breaks, somebody said something about a cheer. Do you guys want to share your your cheer? One of you guys want to tackle it, or no?
4: I think Hollywood like to. <laughs> Sorry, Holly, for putting you on the spot. I think Hollywood like to, um, you know, put a cheer out. But we don't really have a specific one. But
1: Holly, what do you think? Um, Layla, <laughs> you want to help me?
4: Um, so we're in the same room. Do you want me to just go over there and go do it with her?
1: (laughs) Sure. Let's go. Let's do it. Say what?
3: All around the nation, there's an HMS sensation that'll make you want to slide and move from side to side. Say
1: what? That was wonderful guys. Thank you so much, Holly and Layla. I just want to thank you guys for sharing your service learning experiences with us. Um, I hope you both continue on your journey as change makers. I hope Holly that you follow in Mr. Barry's footsteps and become that service learning teacher. Barry, I want to thank you not only for being the amazing teacher that you are, but a true leader in service learning. Um, your work inspires me. And I know um, everyone who hears your story is just as they're ready to, to get started um, because, of, because of the stories you share and the work that you do. Um, and I know the impact that you have on every student who's lucky enough to have you as a teacher. I wish that you had been my teacher. <laughs> Um, You guys, you can learn more about Wetland Watchers by visiting their website at wetlandwatchers.org, or you can email info at nylc.org, and I'll make sure to get you connected. I want to thank you for listening today. If you missed the start of today's show or would like to access prior shows, visit our homepage on Voice America Empowerment Radio or download the podcast from iTunes. We finally got iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Play, all those fun places. Next week's show, we're going to be broadcasting during the NYLC's 32nd Annual National Service Learning Conference, Engage, Evolve, Energize. This year's event, um, we're holding it virtually both on demand and live sessions on April 14th and 15th. I know Barry and his students are going to be there. Um, I truly love our conference because it's one of these, it's an, one of the only events where youth and adults um, come together and they come out of the experience with ideas and inspirations, tools and resources to return home to improve their practice, their schools, and their communities. So joining me next week on the show is going to be teacher Beth Nickel and her students from Studio Alternative Center in Springfield, Missouri. We're going to talk service learning and a new global call to action, Bridging the Divide, Addressing the Million Word Gap. Join us live every Thursday at 6 o'clock Eastern. Download that podcast. And remember, if you're an innovative young person who's changing the world or an adult who's passionate about energizing young people as change makers, you can contact me at that info at NYLC.org email address. And we might just invite you to have, have you on the show. But until next week, please don't be afraid to serve, learn, change the world.
0: Thank you for tuning in this week to The Power of Young People to Change the World. Your host, Amy Muirs will return for another program next Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time and 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Together, we'll serve, learn, change the world.